It's that time of the day. It's the Forestry Sports Show. Let's get it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Forestry Sports Show. It is your host, Smooth Oz, along with my co-host beside me, Charlie, Dima, and Jackson. We have Shania and Kelsey in the booth and Nathan on the live stream. And we have none other than head coach Scott Berry. We're going to jump into our interview with him and get him out of here and just talk about some of the things ahead of the baseball season. The anticipation is building. The Hattiesburg community is ready for baseball, Coach. Could you just tell me how are you feeling this evening? Well, I'll tell you, there's a lot of excitement in the community, and I think obviously the momentum that we created last year with hosting the conference tournament, hosting the regional, and our first ever super regional certainly just continued to, to build that momentum into this year. We see it in ticket sales. Um, you know, you really can't go anywhere within the community without somebody asking you how the team's going to be or excited about this coming season. So, you know, we're fired up. We've been working a lot and uh, since August, since we came to school in, in preparation for this February 17th opener. We just want to start off with a congratulations because nice. pretty big man in the community this year. Uh, they named you Pine Belt Distinguished Citizen just this past week. Can you talk about what that experience was like just at that uh, banquet? Yeah, I'll tell you what, it was it was an awesome experience and, you know, very honored and humbled to, to get that award. When you look at the past honorees, uh, and many were in attendance that night, this past Thursday night, uh, you know, it just kind of reflects, uh, you know, hopefully what people see in you and, and what you see in them and how you give back to your community. And certainly that's a big part of our stage at Southern Miss. And that's part of my job as, as the head coach of, of that program is to instill that in our players and, and understand what community is. And uh, to, to be recognized that night uh, for, for some of those things was tr truly honor, an honor. And, uh, and then also helping raise money for a very great organization, the Boy Scouts, who have been around 113 years and certainly uh, are develop developers of, of young men into leaders and characteristics and, and helping them make those core choices and, and moral and ethical values that they are going to encounter later in their life. And like you were saying just earlier, the community has kind of bought into this program, reflects third uh, year, I think, setting records in the season ticket sales. Uh, and here and now that, you know, there's less than 200 season tickets available. Um, just what does that kind of mean to you to kind of know that you're going to have, you know, the peak at that full capacity throughout the whole year? Well, you know, I mean, certainly the expectation's high at Southern Miss and our baseball program, and that's the way we want it. We've worked hard for years and years. You know, coaches prior to me, Coach Palmer, Coach Denson, Coach Taylor, have all laid the foundation of what we see today, and, and those that expectations on our program are, are are there within our fan base and our community and, and on the national scene. So a lot of programs try to try to get those expectations. You know, we like to talk a lot about tradition. Traditions about consistency and that's not just being a good program one year and then not doing anything for the next four or five. Traditions about being consistent year in, year out and being that winner that's in postseason play and Certainly, uh, you know, our program has, has been able to sustain that with six straight conference, or I'm sorry, uh, consecutive regional appearances. And uh, so we're, we're very proud of that. And, you know, we accept, 
accept those expectations. You know, you were talking about uh, at Media Day a couple of weeks ago, um, just Hill Denson's vision of what the Southern's baseball program should be, and, and you're kind of talking about how you fulfilled that, you know, top 25 in pretty much every major poll this preseason, and um, ticket sales through the roof. Can you just talk about just his vision and how you've seen that per- perplexed into this season? Well, you know, I mean, Hill was the head coach whenever we moved to, to Pete Taylor Park right now on 4th Street. It used to be the practice football field, and then the administration made an investment to move it on down the, down the road a little bit, but it was Hill's vision of building the stadium and, and selling seats and, and honestly talking the administration at that time into selling tickets. They didn't want to sell tickets. Uh, you know, Hill felt like that, you know, people don't want to just come for free. They want to be able to pay and, and feel like they're getting something for their money. And certainly you look at that now, however many years later, and their people are just dying to get a ticket to a game now. So. His vision to be able to see those things is tr- truly remarkable, but uh, you know, people laugh then, but they're not now. Just kind of talking about that tradition a little bit. Obviously, Pete Taylor, Hill Denson, Corky Palmer, and now yourself spending extended amount of times at Southern Miss. You know, and a lot of people can't do that. They might get burned out. This obviously being your 14th season as head coach and being an assistant before that. Just kind of what keeps your motor going and makes you like. Uh, ready to stay? What kind of motivates you? Well, I just think the the opportunity to to lead men, to you know, to uh, to make young men better when they leave here than we found them. Obviously, winning's a big component, and that's job security. But you know, I've been at it now. I think this is my 39th year of college coaching, and. Uh, you know, as, as you get older, you understand the big picture. You know, I think when you're younger, you get caught up in the wins and losses and all the other things. Uh, you get blinded just because, you know, you, you don't want to lose your job. But as you get older, it's not that you're afraid to lose your job, but you understand the impact that you really have on those young men and what those young men and the impact that they have on the people that they encounter. You know, and it becomes a really, really big, big thing. So. I think that's what motivates me more than anything. Obviously, we've got tremendous chemistry within our staff. Um, you know, I've got Coach Ostrander, I've got Coach Creel, Coach Brewer, Coach Keller, Coach Jones. Uh, we all work really well together. We have fun. You know, that's a big part of it. And then, obviously, the young men that we have in our program, um, they are very good young men. I mean, characteristics, uh, you know, they're, they're, they do things the right way. They work hard. They represent us. Uh, we try to instill those things in them, but that's kind of the mission every day that when you get up, it's just to try to make a difference in people. And, uh, you know, in my situation, it, it happens to be our, our team and our program, and then hopefully that'll spill over into those that they encounter and touch. Coach, obviously, I'm sure we get into the nitty-gritty of the baseball talk, but just talking about those players, um, a lot of them eyeing a potential trip, you know, to Omaha and getting back to postseason play. How do you kind of keep the uh, the focus on on the Liberty Series or the, or the or, or New Orleans, who's like first up? How do you keep that mentality of got to win game by game, kind of like y'all were set on last season? Yeah, I mean, I just nothing changes, honestly, Dean. I mean, it's a game-by-game approach. And the first game that we play, February 17th, obviously the most important on our schedule right now. It's not the Saturday or the Sunday. You know, we'll approach that after that Friday's gone. And that's the way that it'll transition through the whole season. We won't worry about the next one. We won't worry about who we play midweek, two weeks from now. Uh, You know, we'll control what we can control, and that's the game at, at hand that we're fixing to play. 
Coach, what was the process like um, this offseason, especially losing some of the talent that you lost? And what was the process from a coaching standpoint, from you, um, yourself and the staff, replacing a lot of that talent this past yeah, season? Yeah, you know, I'll be honest with you, and it happens late. You know, in our sport, we're the only one that has to fight that, that major league draft or any kind of professional draft. And now that they have moved that so late in July, you know, by the time it takes place, we're a month from starting school. So. Mm -hmm. Those that we lose in that draft, you know, everybody can say, well, you should have planned for it, but you, you can't plan for those things. You know, there's so many variables that, that go into that. You know, if you look at the history of the Major League Draft, there, at one time it was 50 rounds, then it went to 40 rounds forever. Well, then three years ago, they dropped it down to 20 rounds. So you kind of keep thinking, you know, going down to 20 rounds that you might be safe on some of these. but. You know, certainly our pitching staff who took the hit last year with five underclassmen uh, being drafted that could have come back, uh, you know, the, they were recognized as, as really good pitchers and, and all of them going in the top 20 rounds. So uh, it's hard to prepare for it, but it's just another one of those challenges that baseball seems to have to deal with. Just talking about that pitching staff, obviously, mm -hmm. I'm sure everybody wants to hear about it, you know, losing. Uh, First off, just two of your starter weekend starters when, when Waldrop transferred and then uh, Riggins coming on late. Um, do you have an idea, sort of? I know you don't want to reveal, but do you have a couple guys that you think the Summers fans are going to get to know pretty quickly? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, I mean, I have in my mind right now exactly who we're running out there on the weekend. But we have one more weekend to go, mm -hmm. and that's this weekend in preparation for the, the opener of the weekend after that. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be some guys that, that people may be a little familiar with, but not as what you just mentioned, you know, with the two of the three starters that we lost off the weekend last year. So, but we feel like there's enough pieces in place that we can kind of piece it together. Just kind of going off of that, there's obviously two battles in the field as well. In left, you got Parker and Ewing, but at second base, that's a lot more open. Mm -hmm. Are you leaning one way or the other there? And just how intense has that competition been? It's been pretty intense, you know, I mean, because those are two, like you said, very open positions that we have to fill. I think you're going to see both Ewing and Tate Parker in left. I think that may be a platoon thing, you know, right on left, left on right, that sort of thing. But at second base, it's still open, still trying to uh, decide who I'm going to who, who I'm going to put out there on the opening day. And of course, those things always change as well. But this next weekend will kind of solidify probably who that's going to be. We have a couple fan questions and kind of mm -hmm. going along with this uh, theme of, you know, new guys or just new roles coming up. The baseball guy asked, who are some names that you believe can take over the closer role? You know, oh, that's an interesting question because I don't think we've had a true closer for quite a while. You know, we've had that depth where we could use multiple guys, and last year was real evident of that. I think if you had to say, okay, who was the closer of the guys that used most, probably was uh, was Harper, Landon Harper. But, you know, we also used Dalton in there. We also used Ramsey in there. Uh, you know, so those guys, we, we had some pieces that we could use. I think you're going to see some of that, uh, some multiple guys this year. I don't think that we have just one guy that you're going to say, all right, you're the closer, uh, per se. And I think that's good because that kind of gives you some fresh, fresh arms at different points that you're going to have to have anyway. Coach, speaking of pitching, uh, could you discuss the new rule change of the 22nd uh, pitch clock and, you know, your thoughts on that? Well, you know, they just keep changing rules every year. <laughs> I, I really just don't understand it. It gets yeah. really frustrating in all honesty. But the rule this year is is that 
uh, after a ball is pitched, if it's a ball or a strike, once the ball is received by the pitcher inside the circle, the 22nd clock will start. He'll have 20 seconds to start his delivery, whether that's in the windup or whether that's in the stretch. If it's in the windup, when he rocks back, then then the clock stops. If he's in the stretch, it's not when he comes set. It's after he breaks out of the set position and actually makes his motion to the plate will the clock stop. But the real challenge is going to be on the hitter. The hitter has to be ready and committed to hit at 10 seconds in that 20-second mm -hmm. frame. Both penalties are, there's no longer any warnings. It is, for the pitcher, it'll be a ball, automatic ball. For a, for a hitter, it'll be an automatic strike. So oh. what that does is, is that certainly is going to have to speed us up and our signs, particularly me at third. We're going to have to get our signs very quick after the pitch is thrown uh, in order for that hitter to be in there and ready to hit at the 10-second. Point. We only have half the time that the pitcher has to actually be ready. So, But if there's a foul ball or a new hitter comes to the plate, then it will not start until the home run player points his finger to play ball. And in that, at that point, when all fielders are in their position and hitters are where they're supposed to be, then that's when, uh, that's when the clock will start. Of course. And has there been some growing pains with that? Yeah, we've had to adjust, honestly, you know, and there's a there's a two-minute between innings also, you mm -hmm. know, that you have to be, and it starts as soon as the last out is made, and then uh, it has to be, that pitcher and that hitter has to be ready to, to go to work uh, within two minutes. Otherwise, it's a ball or a strike, whoever's not ready. Wow. I don't know if you care about this one as much, but we also read no <laughs> yes. more celebratory props outside the dugout. Yeah, that doesn't bother me. Honestly. <laughs> I mean, I just... I'm not into a lot of that, in all honesty. I mean, I know that's a big part of the game, and kids like to have fun, and I like them to have fun. But on the same hand, you know, I have no problem with that rule, in all honesty. Coach, kind of transitioning to the other side, the, the offense, uh, can you just talk about Matthew Etzel and his transfer to Southern Miss and just what he's mean to the team, and obviously filling Gabe Montenegro's role at center field? Yeah, I mean, Etzel's going to be a really nice player for us. Um, you know, I think he could go down as one of the best center fielders that we've had in this program since I've been here. Now going on uh, 20, this will be my 23rd season at, at um, Southern Miss. But, you know, Etzel is, is a young man that has a lot of tools. He's going to hit the top of the order. He's probably going to lead off for us. Um, he can cover ground as good as anybody. He makes it really easy looking out there in center field. Um, and then, of course, offensively, he, he has a great pitch awareness at the plate, strike zone awareness, doesn't swing a lot of pitches out of the zone, and extends a lot of bats being able to, to foul balls off. So I think our fans are going to really like Matt Etzel. He's a great addition to our program. Just kind of talking about hitting in general, do you expect a big improvement from last year to this year, and what can we expect from the offense this year? Well, I hope so. You know, we ended up, I think, hitting 278 last year as a team. Um, you know, hitting offensively in college baseball now is, I don't know how many teams you're going to see that are going to hit legitimately over 300 that play in good leagues because the pitching has become so good. The velocities have gotten so high that it's really kind of taken that hitting back in all honesty. And certainly we're all looking for those people that can throw really hard, but we're also looking for those people that can throw hard and throw strikes. You know, there's a difference between throwers and pitchers. And certainly we're all in the market trying to sign those pitchers. But, uh, you know, certainly we return a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, veterans from last year's team. Uh, you know, you got uh, Blake Johnson and Montenegro behind the plate. You got Sarge at first. You got Dickerson at short, Lynch at third. 
You got Ewing in left. You got the addition of Etzel, and of course Peto in right. And Slade Wilkes returns, having set out the whole fall because of a labrum surgery on his throwing side. So, you know, we return a lot of the offense from last year. You hope that experience, especially going deep into postseason play, that these guys have gotten, and also their age. You know, a lot of those guys are older guys. That that is gonna that that experience is gonna prove to be big for us. Coach, who could possibly, just speaking on the lineup, be that cleanup guy right behind Elso, uh, with him potentially being the leadoff guy? Well, I think probably right now, if I had to write it out, Sargent's probably hitting in that four hole mm -hmm. with him. So, uh, we want to get into one more fan question from uh, Russell Marsalis talking about Edsel, um, also a lot of fans are excited about Tate Parker. He said, do you think the run game, as in stolen bases, bunts for base hits, etc., will be a bigger part of the offense with the additions of guys like that? No, I, I really don't. I mean, I think we'll run better. Edsel's going to steal bases. You know, I don't I don't look for us to be bunting for a hit a whole bunch because, I, I mean, we're just not blessed with a lot of speed out there, you know. Uh, obviously, sometimes the bunt for a hit becomes a surprise uh, offensive attack that, that you have, but you like to have speed too with it. So, you know, I think we're going to have some guys that can swing it there, and uh, we're not going to have to really use that a whole lot as a weapon. But, you know, if we can steal some bases, certainly we're going to take advantage of that in, in those times and, and do it. And, you know, we talk about pitching, but obviously you have an All American preseason coming back as your ace, Tanner Hall. Can you just talk about his development over the fall and going into the spring and have you seen him elevate his game even further from last year? Uh, you know, really, we rested him in the fall. He got he had 115 innings, I think, for mm -hmm. us last spring, and then he went off and pitched for Team USA, and and so he logged a lot of innings. We we really rested him. We threw him right there in the World Series part of our fall in November, but we're you know building him back up right now. Obviously, you know you know he'll be out there on Friday night for us, and uh, you know he's just a gamer, a very competitive young man that has pitchability. You know, what he throws is obviously very, very hard to hit, and it's hard to recognize. There's a lot of deception in what he does, and certainly that's what makes him so special. Coach, we appreciate your time. Uh, before we get you out of here, is there any last thing you would like to say to the fans ahead of the uh, baseball season getting started on February the 17th versus Liberty? Well, keep packing uh, Reed Green Coliseum, <laughs> you know, because that's great momentum for everybody. Yes. Coach Ladner, his staff, and his program, I couldn't be more pleased and more proud of them and excited for what they're doing right now because, you know, honestly, guys, every sport piggybacks off from each other. And if we can create an atmosphere at Southern Miss where we are good across the board and, and we're conference champion contenders across the board and we're buying for postseason, certainly that, it, that, it, that builds your fan base up. And I know that people show up February 17th at, at Pete Taylor Park and uh, it'll be a great opening day at four o'clock, uh, traditional. You know, a lot of people ask me, you know, why aren't we playing at six? Well, we never play opening day at six because of the weather. That could be that chilly. You know, I know yeah. there's a lot of times where at four o'clock it's a great weather and you're going, man, we could have played at six. But then when you're finishing at seven, it's starting to get cool and you go, you know what, if we'd have played at six by nine o'clock, 9.30, it's going to be really cold. So. Four o'clock, Pete Taylor Park on February 17th against a really good Liberty team. Let's pack that Pete and, and let's bring a lot of enthusiasm. Let's have a great year. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, Coach. Yeah, Ladies and gentlemen, that was head baseball coach Scott Berry entering his 14th season as head coach here. Thanks for coming on, Coach. Have a blessed one. Thank we'll you, We'll be back with our Eagle Eye coming up, Forestry Sports. Let's get it. 
Looking for the place to be at Mondays at 5? Look no further than 4th Street Sports. And we are back, and that's my little jazzy jazz for the day. Um, <laughs> and we are back with our eagle eye, ladies and gentlemen, and I'll pass it over to Jackson. Yeah, we're going to start things running off. Lanes. I just ran over you. I apologize, oh, sir. Man. Ran over <laughs> you. Because <laughs> guess what he's talking about? Track and field, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Whoa. What a pun. Oh, my God. So Golden Eagle <laughs> Track and Field competed at the Jaguar Invitational in Birmingham this weekend with a couple personal records. Some of the top finishers on the men's side were Dylan Evans' fifth place in the 800 meter, George County legend Kyle Ludgood's PR fourth place, in the weight throw and Omar Austin's fourth in the 200 meter. Zane Palomino's third in the high jump is where he finished. And then Ashley Osalji finished second in the long jump for the women and Jada McDougal landed third in the 60 meter. And Kiana Kanaya, excuse me, Kanaya Seals finished second in the 200 meter. The Golden Eagles will compete in the Music City Challenge this weekend in Nashville, Tennessee before preparing for the Sun Belt Indoor Championships, and that starts February 20th. So record-setting weekend once again for Southern Miss Track and Field. And will it be a, a three-peat? Three uh, for women's, yes, yeah, women's, women's indoor. Women's indoor, keep in mind. potential three-peat mm -hmm. right there. Uh, but I'll take it to the court, but I'm talking racket. <laughs> but not racket, wow. of course. But uh, I tried to make this stick. But tennis program, both tennis programs were in action this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. The men split their game with a win versus UT Rio Grande Valley, and a lost to Texas A&M Corpus Christi on Friday. And the women's tennis team dropped their match versus Northwestern State 4-1. They will have another home game this upcoming Sunday at 2 p.m. against Alcorn State. The men will host their first matches at home against Sanford Saturday and Alcorn Sunday. That shall be fun. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't rain on the men because the men uh, were actually supposed to play two games at home earlier yes. this season, both mm -hmm. postponed by rain that we've had. And I learned that February is the rainiest month in Hattiesburg. So, and that's when wow. baseball starts. You know, all these sports that can't have rain is yeah. when it rains. Softball. Oh, yeah, they got man. turf. Is that yeah. why I was so gloomy last week, bro? Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. But anyway. Man. <laughs> talking about women's basketball now, uh, it, was a, it was an interesting week, I'll say. Yes. Kind of up and down week. <clears throat> interesting. Yeah, interesting. They dropped a tough <laughs> loss against Old Dominion at the start of their homestand Thursday. Uh, just nothing was clicking offensively. They had over 20 turnovers. Just was not a pretty game for them. Honestly, kind of felt like a demoralizing, uh, just a demoralizing loss. Like, uh, the energy was just down. I was uh, waiting for an hour. <laughs> it was just a long kind of talk uh, to the team coach had. And they were in the hunt for first place in the Sun Belt. So I think that kind of loss, you know, kind of set things in perspective for the team. And we've seen them play really, really well. They uh, are capable of being that number one team in the Sun Belt. So that loss was definitely question mark. But then they bounced back. 21-point win against South Alabama. Austin was there. Uh, what did you kind of see to where they were able to kind of get back in their kind of style of play? Um, 
the mo- for the most part, the third quarter was a huge difference maker for Usually the Lady Eagles. And, and and Coach McNillis did talk about that, uh, just that third quarter, just the push that they had. And uh, she talked about the previous game against Old Dominion where the third quarter they did not win. And she talked about just the difference in that. And they did it also um, Saturday without two of their best guards, really. You had Lonnie Cornfield out. Um, Coach McNillis did not state uh, why she was out. She was dressed uh, in uniform but not did not play. And um, Dominique Davis uh, was not dressed out. I think she's battling an injury, of course. Uh, you talked about her going down the previous game. Yeah. Uh, Tarly, I think it was an ankle was it an ankle injury? I think it's Texas State. Yeah. Texas State, yeah. So she battled through that um, in that first game. Yes, yes. So, so she went down. But um, the Lady Eagles came out strong in that third quarter. And uh, Ja'Cory Bracey had a phenomenal game. She would end up having a double-double uh, where she would, you know, have 15 points and 12 boards. And she was really everywhere, everywhere. Where she played a huge component, and we saw role players like Morgan Dillard come off the bench and really uh, show. But it was a rough start to the game. South Alabama came out hard, but um, the Lady Eagles eventually pulled away, and especially down low, they controlled the ball and controlled the paint, and they took that win. Good to see them get back on track. Um, just the tail of two yes. games, I guess, this week. But they're now fourth in the conference, so definitely different feeling than uh, from Thursday where it felt like things might be going downhill. They broke that uh, losing streak. They're at 8-4 and four with just six games remaining in the conference. And two games behind first. There are currently five teams also sitting at 8-4, and four, so still very open. And they play Texas State at home Thursday at 5 p.m., which will start that doubleheader that night and then close the homestand with the game against Coastal Carolina Saturday at noon. I don't know if y'all know this. Do y'all know Southern basketball is 21-4? What? Wow. Yeah. Man. Crazy. They picked up two wins this week. So they're 21-4, and 10-2 in conference play, mm. and they have probably the biggest game in the past decade. Definitely. On Southern campus Thursday night against UL. Um, so... I, 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 Louisiana, Louisiana, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Louisiana. Are we not allowed to say UL anymore? No, you gotta say Louisiana. UL. Okay. Okay. Don't they say can't that say either. that either. Yeah. It's in their media guide. I don't even know what can we can say anymore. So, all right. Well, the Golden Eagles edged Troy last Thursday on the road thanks to 23 points from uh, Austin Crowley, including five big threes. Denaja Harris added 19 points and seven boards in that game. And after a contested first half at Georgia State, some just pulled ahead for an eight-point win. Felipe put up 26 on 8 for 11 shooting uh, in the victory. So, Southern Miss will play for first place in the Sun Belt against Louisiana Raging Cajuns, who are on a 10-game winning streak. Louisiana won the first matchup, 75-61, I believe. Um, I think this is probably the most anticipated match that Southern Miss has had in the past decade, but it's probably the most anticipated match of the Sun Belt in general besides... When Louisiana played Marshall Saturday night, when that was a big game, and now this game is like a huge game as far as conference title uh, anticipation. Uh, Charlie and I have the story of the team's preparation for this matchup. So, play the rap. It's a rap. We want to build the point where standard is not 20 wins. It's not. It's 25 wins, you know, and it's going to the NCAA tournament, and 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 the Reed Green Coliseum is full every night. That's our vision. That's where we want it to be. It's been a quick turnaround for Southern Miss men's basketball this season. In fact, it has been the quickest turnaround in program history. The Golden Eagles have won 21 games after winning just seven last season. They've accomplished many of the goals they set, 
but head coach Jay Ladner said the team is moving the bar up with just six games left in the regular season. And the task that sits in front of the team is the most anticipated game of Ladner's tenure, a battle for first place in the Sun Belt at home against rival Louisiana. They got a great team. Um, there's a lot of excitement to the game, and here we are in February with six games left, and we're battling each other for first place. So. The Raging Cajuns come to Hattiesburg on a 10-game winning streak after beating Marshall at home, and it's the second time that these two have met this year. Louisiana handed the Golden Eagles their first conference loss in January. And it's one of the parts of coaching that I really enjoy is kind of the chess match, and you know, uh, uh, what are they going to do and what, maybe what we're going to do differently. And, of course, at this point of the year, we're not going to change a lot. You know, we, they're not going to change a lot, but there are some, some, some minor tweaks and so forth that, uh, that I think both, both coaches will do to try to give their, t their, their teams the best opportunity to be successful. The Golden Eagles are on a seven-game win streak themselves and will have the advantage of playing in front of what is set to be the largest crowd of Ladner's tenure. But in a game with this energy and riding the high of a quick rise to the top, there is a psychological component that must be kept in check. You know, the, the excitement around the community, of course, social media is so much different than it was when I was playing and everybody's, you know, telling everybody, telling them how good they are and so forth. And it, it's a concern, you know, and but we try to make sure that we, we stay humble every day. We, we talk to them about humility. While the Raging Cajuns ran away with the first game, there's a feeling that this game will be quite different with both teams healthy and fighting for the number one seed in the conference. And I uh, hope, hope we can get this thing sold out on, on Thursday. I know there's a lot of excitement and uh, we're also excited too. This has been Charlie Luttrell for the 4th Street Sports Show. Thanks, Charlie, for that beautiful route. Of course, you always do a great job on the routes. Um, but heading into this game, uh, Southern Miss is on a seven-game win streak, and uh, Louisiana is on a ten-game win streak, as Dima stated beforehand. But fun fact, that win streak started with Southern Miss in that win, uh, uh, that 75-61 win um, early in January, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but now Southern Miss has the chance to uh, break that. So. Mm -hmm. Wild to think, because yeah, Coach Ladner pointed out in conference today that they started out zero and two, and obviously turned the script. And I, I didn't put that together that it was against Southern yes. Miss. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's pretty wild to think that they've been. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> we were still on break. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, Southern Miss seven game win streak themselves. Uh, really, I think over the last two weeks they've showed that even if they're not on their A game, they can still find ways to win games, yeah. which is huge, you know, for a team like this. And so I think it's it's going to be a very tough game. I think the toughest matchup of the year, maybe besides uh, the UNLV game earlier. Yeah. But uh, the thing that I think they can look forward to is just the energy yeah. and kind of the home court advantage that they're set to have. You just think of like any any run that Southern Miss has, it's going to be electric, yeah. right? And any run that Louisiana has, it's going to be like, oh, okay, well, they got six quick points. Southern Miss gets a 7-0 run, capitalized with a Crowley dunk or whatever, you know, that place is going to go nuts. Like, it'll be the loudest we've ever heard it in there. Definitely. They're going to need that energy because mm -hmm. if Southern Miss loses to Louisiana, not only does Louisiana go up a game in the standings, but that's essentially a two-game uh, lead because the tiebreaker yeah. because Louisiana already has the win so Southern Miss is definitely going to come out strong they're going to have to and have the energy from the fans if they want to have a chance to win the regular season Sun Belt title.
Yeah. It's funny, we're talking like, you know, this is the game. There's still six games yeah. left, but, you know, it, it had the feeling just a couple of weeks ago we were saying, that I, I think we were all saying that this is probably when they meet going to be yeah. a battle for the first, and it just yeah. happened that way. It happens a lot in basketball that way, uh, just because the two teams in the Sun Belt are playing at their absolute best, yeah. and they're going to clash against each other. I, I couldn't think of a more exciting game. I've always wished, I'll say it out loud, I've always wished to be a part of a basketball school and I'm just yeah. going to take it all in Thursday. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I've grown up being a Southern Miss fan, um, and I've and I've seen Green Green packed out, right? Yeah. And in 2011 or whatever, when Memphis came into Hattiesburg in the top 15 or whatever, and the Reed Green was a wideout, right? And yeah. we were like, I just remember looking up, and every seat was filled. And after everything that happened in 13, 14, 15 and all that, everybody knows all what happened. So <laughs> after all that and where it is now and like last year when we were covering basketball games, there's nobody in there, right? Yeah. And like Thursday, you know, we sit like right above the, the, um, the away team where they walk in. There's seats right next to us. And like the fact that like fans could be sitting there is like something we've never even like thought of because those will be filled with fans because there's going to be that many people there tomorrow, uh, Thursday night. So... I just think we're going to look out and, like Charlie said, just kind of take it all in. And I think every Southern Miss fan should, and regardless of whether or not they should win, win or lose, I think that just taking in what that atmosphere is going to be like. Yes. Um, I, that was something that me and Charlie always discussed was like, man, when I first started covering the team also, it was yeah. like, man, Reed Green, it's, it's nobody in here, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, it was a tough uh, pill to swallow, but to see that will be a spectacle to see, just to see the, uh, the program revitalized right yeah. now and just the momentum that they have uh, been on and, and carrying right now. It's truly special to see, and especially the run. Um, that they've been on. It's really, truly special to see. And it's wild because every time I look at social media, whether whether it be Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, you name it, it seems like there's a post every day about looking at the the ticket website. The number keeps going Going lower and lower in terms of available seats. I think the last time I saw there were like less than 400 available tickets. That's crazy. Just imagine where they were the last three years and beyond. It's just wild to see. Just yeah. to even see one section completely sold yeah. out. It's yeah. like something we've never even seen. And, uh, you know, you go on there right now, there's like seven of them yeah. that are like in of the course. gray where they're sold out, yeah. which like, you know, we have not even this season have we seen one completely fold out, maybe besides the student section on a weeknight game. And that's another thing, that it's a weeknight game, which means yes. the students are going to be there. Yeah. Yes, and to add to that, too, um, I keep reneging on it, but Coach Cardona come, came on <laughs> uh, this show uh, in the beginning before the season started, and he was yeah. just talking about yeah. you're going to see a packed-out Reed Green Coliseum. And like I said, at the time, we were like, you know, is that even possible? But for yeah. his work, to prophecy. come into yeah for his prophecy <laughs> to come into fruition is is uh amazing to see um and just it's it's truly been special yeah. uh just it's, it's crazy to to see his prophecy come true just want to get a couple and notes forward to that on the game uh before we get into our flowers uh this is a game that they lost like we said they did not play well in the first half of that game i think they were really so focused on closing down jordan brown who's been on a tear recently uh, that's somebody they're still going to have to watch. He's dropped 26 and 20 against Marshall. Mm. Uh, it's absolutely crazy to see that in a Sun Belt game, um, especially against one of the top Sun Belt teams. Yeah. 
but they held him out to, I think, eight points in that game, but let Kentrell Garnett go nuclear. He shot six of eight three-pointers, so I think they're one of the most efficient team in the conference from the perimeter. I think, actually, the top team, almost uh, 40% from three when they get those chance, uh, those opportunities. So you still, it's kind of like you want to uh, limit what Jordan's able to do inside, but you cannot let their shooters get open. And that's something I think you were seeing Georgia State uh, do was getting some open shots, even though they're not a really good shooting team. But if you let Louisiana do that, they're going to crush you on that. And uh, Southern Miss has been able to keep up in three-point category, but, you know, that's not where they play their strongest. So Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's the key to to the game. But it's interesting because it's one of the top defenses versus one of the top offenses. I think we should give a quick pick since we won't be able to do it really on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Quick picks. Um, <laughs> you caught me off guard with that one, Demon. Okay. Uh, quick picks for Thursday night's match against Louisiana. I have Southern Miss in a close one. I think they win by three. I think it'll be a low scoring one. I don't think it'll be high. I think 65 62. I think I'll, Demon and I were talking about this. Louisiana, you know, has been a competitor in, uh, for a while in the Sun Belt. And this is really like a, you know, a big game. I think yes. there's just going to be a lot of nerves. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you can really control that with lots of these guys come from winning backgrounds, but still on the same team, you know, I feel like there's a little bit of inexperience in this situation. And considering what Louisiana was able to do, I might give Louisiana the edge here. Yeah, I mean, best offense against best defense, you know, the irresistible force against the immovable object. Mm -hmm. The headlines write themselves. It's going to be a tight one. I would have to give Louisiana the slight edge as well. I know it's going to be a raucous environment, but they probably have that more experience. You know, this is really the first year that this core group has been together for Southern Miss. So, slight edge Louisiana, a tight one. I think you're going to see the exact same game you saw at Louisiana, but in reverse. And Southern Miss is going to do that to Louisiana. I think, I think they play the best game of the year. I'd really do. And I think that if they get any moment where they have a run, the crowd will play. Yeah, like I mean, I mean, that's it. I mean, it's going to be so loud in there just because of the way the red green is red green is shaped and everything. I mean, if, if it's anything like a 7-0, 9-0 run at any point, especially yes. in the second half, it's over. So. Yes. I think it's uh, a matter of, yeah, if Southern Miss can make the plays and make some huge turnovers, we could see a guy like Natefta Alvarez. Natalia. Yeah, Natalia. And Mo. I mean, I Mo had a great yeah, game. Natalia. We could see a guy like him make a couple plays and yeah. get a couple turnovers and really hype up this uh, this Reed Green. So I think it's I think it's a matter of uh, home court advantage right yeah. here. I think so. Uh, if it was a neutral site, I'm not so sure. But I think that since it's a home game here with a, a packed crowd at the Reed Green, I think that's really going to play a huge uh, part in the momentum here. So, Southern Miss is still undefeated at home. Yeah. Yes. I, I don't really yes. know what I'm doing there. Yeah, I don't know why y'all picked this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are we're gonna get canceled (laughs) (laughs) of course Uh, so that is our picks on uh, Southern Miss versus Louisiana in a a huge Thursday night matchup and Prime at prime time at the Reed Green Coliseum starting at 7.30. Uh, make sure you also go see the uh, women's basketball starting at 5 as they take yeah. on Texas State. It'll be a doubleheader both Thursday and Saturday. So that shall be interesting to see. Now, moving forward, we'll get into our 4th Street Player of the Week. Let's After take the it. break. After the break. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time of the show. We're now giving flowers. 
Man, shout out to Logan Maxwell for the flowers segment, man. He always brings it. I love that uh, intro. Yes. Um, <laughs> but we're getting into our 4th Street uh, Player of the Week, brought to you by University Floors and Gifts on Highway 49, located here in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And without further ado, for his third straight time, um, we are giving it to... None other than Felipe Hase, who has won it, as I said, it's third straight time. Three-peat, three three, baby. No, Not straight, yeah. but he's won it three. I yeah. correct That's myself true. right there. Hase would have 26 points and shoot eight for 11 and have five boards, three assists versus Georgia State on Saturday. He had a big-time game out there in ATL. Uh, Shout-out to Felipe. And some of our other uh, Fourth Street Player of the Week candidates were Kaya Luggett, Luggett who would Blood peak. Luggett. Yeah, okay. George County. <laughs> yeah. Mr. George County okay. over here. Come on, represent. Yes, of course. See what PR in the, uh, placed fourth in the weight throw at the Jaguar Invitational uh, that happened in Birmingham. Ja'Cory Bracey, as I stated before, she would have a career double-double versus South Alabama with 15 points and 12 boards. Phenomenal night well, uh, for her. And uh, Austin Crowley would have 23 points. Shoot, 5 of 6 from the three-point line, guys from the from the uh, tray and he would have six rebounds and two assists versus Troy uh, earlier in the week so we had a lot of great things happening uh, around the Southern Miss Athletics program mm -hmm. so shout out to all of the candidates that were uh, selected but a special shout out to again Felipe Hase for his third time winning right. for street it's, it's, it's always week. between Felipe or Austin we yes. need like we need uh well, DeAndre got one. I'll, I'll yes, he did get one, yeah. But ever since ba men's basketball started, I think maybe all but yeah. one time they have won the Player of the Week award. So, uh, obviously with this big of a game of Thursday, if they have somebody step up, uh, you might see them be the 4th Street Player of the Week. Can we make like the fans the 4th Street Player of the Week if they sell it out? We just, mm. we just like. How, how's that gonna work? We're gonna have to give flowers to everybody. Eight thousand yeah. dollars. We just we're not, we're not Oprah. Into the student section, whoever uh, catches them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's a pretty big feat. Like we could give it to Juan Cardona for prophesying a song. Yeah. I think yeah. we should give it to. He's Juan not a player Cardona. though. Yeah. But I mean, to prophesize a packed out Reed Green Coliseum, mm. that's crazy. Mm. We want to uh, also give flowers to the uh, football players who are going yes. to represent Southern Miss in the Super Bowl this week. Yeah. Quez Watkins and Cameron uh, Tom mm -hmm. for the Philadelphia Eagles. Not necessarily rooting for you, but I hope you play well. <laughs> yes. And just shout out to all oh, of the, the Mississippi. Cowboys no. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I'm kind of face out. is hilarious right there. Oh uh, man. So yeah, man. Just shout out to all of um, the Mississippi guys that are in the Super yeah. Bowl. I think uh Mississippi has 12 guys in total yeah. in the Super Bowl, so that's a huge feat, uh, the most by any state yeah. in the Super Bowl this year. So Mississippi is well represented in the Super Bowl, so that's yeah. a huge thing to see, especially on that level. So shall be interesting. Uh, quick picks, Super Bowl. Who do y'all have? You know, I don't want to see the Eagles win. What? I don't you know. Want I, Patrick? 
Oh my I, I, I mean, Patrick's got a legacy going, you know. Jalen Hurst has a legacy going too. But man. I like Jalen. I was about to say I like Jalen, and I want to see Quez like get a touchdown yeah. or something. So. That'd be so. Awful. I might, I might have to root for the Eagles, even though I said yeah. I wasn't. Quez needs I'm, I'm just on the fence on this one. I don't think he has one. Yet. I really like Jalen Hurts. I'm a fan of his, and then obviously of Quez and Cameron Tom. Uh, <laughs> But I actually took a look at the script, and it said that the Chiefs are going to win. So that's what's yeah. going to happen. <laughs> you got to have somebody replace Tom Brady. Yeah. So, so yeah. I don't think they're ready for Jalen Hurts to do that. They've been trying Where's to the kick him at? off the script the for a while. Arizona. Arizona. Jalen Hurts does not follow the script. Yeah, I don't think he follows the script, man. That's why he went to Oklahoma. <laughs> hey, but uh, I'm definitely taking the Eagles. Uh, like I said, pulling for Quez, Jalen Hurts. I think he has it. NFC East needs a victory. I mean, we were the NFC least at one time. Now we're the NFC beast. So that's soft. <laughs> I would never pull for the Falcons to hey, win the Super Bowl. Hey, man, it's terrible, but hey, I mean, I gotta give it to him. At least they beat uh, down on the 49ers. I'll take it. I'll, yeah. I'll take the Chiefs just to be the wild. Oh, yeah, God. great. Any score predictions? Anybody? Uh, uh, Nine to six. Oh my, I will turn the TV off before Uh, that happens. 28 to three. Okay, 28-3. That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> or what was it, the 30-0? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. 38-0 yeah. or something. 33, I think. 33. I'm wondering, just quick question, when is the 30 for 30 coming out on a 28-3? Mm. Tom's retired, so now. They don't deserve yeah. one. Yeah, I think probably this year once Matt Ryan's retired. Yeah, yeah, it is true. It may be a thirty for thirty soon on um, Tom Brady's sand getting. Uh, <laughs> I think it went, went up to a hundred thousand dollars last I checked. Yeah. Uh, we might we might pull up. Sand. Well, I won't say that on air, but we might. <laughs> we'll get an it's artifact kind of from Reed Charlotte. Green Coliseum yeah. after Thursday and sell it on eBay. Yeah, man. It's for you, Nugget. <laughs> <laughs> Nuggets rolled open his grave. <laughs> of course. Nah, but we're, uh, gonna we're going to get out of here. Thanks for listening to us. One more thing, Daniel. Yeah, we just ahead. posted our huge yeah. baseball preview. Huge student. Um, a whole, it's 3,000 words. Go read it. It's free. It's pretty cool. Ginormous. Yeah, it's, ginormous. It's, it's huge. It's extravagant. It's, it's extravagant. Splendid. Everything. So go read it, please. Is that a lot of work? Oh, All right. All right. <laughs> All right. So, and we have a baseball preview pod coming out Friday. Yeah. For, okay. free. For, for free. For free. For free. For three. <laughs> but we'll get out of here uh, as they stated. We'll be back Mondays at 5. Uh, it shall be a great weekend, and we look forward to you coming back and checking us out um, soon. So we'll be back next time. Come back next Monday at 5 on Southern Miss Radio. Forestry Sports, baby.